God is really good. Come on now. I said God is really good. What a good God we serve. When you think of the mercies of God, when you think of the grace of God, when you think of where we should be and we're not there, but here we are here and we know him, what a good God we serve. Praise God. I'm going to just do a little Bible study here tonight. Nothing outstanding, but something that we need. I don't know if you believe this or not, but every individual in this place is building a house. Everybody here is building a house. I'm just going to talk about building the life or building for life here tonight. The things that we're building. And I'll go to that old familiar scripture that we've read many times, but I Maybe we could put some things in there tonight that would help us all. Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking in verse 24. And he said, Therefore, whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Say it with me, it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and was great, and great was the fall of it. And then I'd like to skip over into Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to read from the, the Message Bible translation because I find, it, I find it, uh, it, it, it's very plain and simple where Jesus was talking. And this is what he said in, in the Message Bible, Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 46. Why are you so polite with me, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you? These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to set to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. Notice what he said, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. And when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. Now, I am not a fan of the Message Bible, just so you know that. But sometimes it can speak our language. And here it does just exactly that. So before I begin to, to tell you what I really want to tell you tonight, let me put this parable in context because Jesus is teaching, and, and he's, he's, he's put a whole list of things together 
in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to me are some of the greatest teachings of all the Bible and some of the greatest truths of all the Bible. And, uh, but this was called the Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to know something. He was not preaching to sinners here. He, in fact, in fact, the message he introduces, uh, the message introduces this passage to show us that Jesus always expects more out of his disciples than he does from the other crowd. And what he was talk, who he was talking to that day was people that he loved and people that were following him. He was teaching his disciples. Matter of fact, Matthew 5, 1 and 2 in the Message Bible said this, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. And those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. And so that, that's how the Message Bible introduces the Sermon on the Mount. He climbed to the hillside. I, I was privileged to stand about three years ago where he taught the Sermon on the Mount. It was a beautiful place on a hill. And, and it, was, it was an, you wonder how he taught people. But let me tell you, it was like the hill was cupped and, and you could look right straight down. It's where you could put a lot of people. But you could literally talk just like this and hear it echoing down the side of that hill. And I thought, wow, this is the way. There were no microphones. There were no, uh, there was no technology like we have today. But he could teach thousands, and he did that. But th that place particularly caught my interest. But uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, let me just tell you what it is in chapter 7. There's a lot of comparisons. There's several comparisons. That's why in, in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he talked about two ways. One, which is narrow. I looked the Greek word up to that. I don't even know if I can say it or not. But that narrow word in the Greek meant restricted or confined. And he said, he said that that road, that constricted or refined road will lead to life. And, it, and it's, there's another way called the broad way, and that word in the Greek means broad country leading to destruction. So Jesus compared the narrow way and the broad way, the way that was restricted or confined. We don't like to think about that. But he said those that enter the broad way are on their way to destruction. But if you stay in the narrow way, the confined and restricted way, you say, well, you know, I don't think the church ought to have a bunch of rules. Well, Jesus said it is a confined and restricted way. There are some things that we need. Well, that went over with a few of you, but you'll, you'll get it because you can't live. You know, if you went over, if you started across the Washtenaw River tonight, and they went in before you got home, and uh, you came to church, and there were guardrails on each side, but you went back, and, uh, and there was not a rail on each side. How would you like that? Anybody want to drive over the Washtenaw River Bridge with no guardrails? 
Huh? None of us do. Guardrails are for a purpose. And so when we walk the narrow way, there's some guardrails. It's restricted and it's confined. There's a way you have to walk when you live for God. So the two ways. So what he was actually saying to those guys that day, that crowd that day, there's two kinds of disciples. I want you to say this with me. Two kinds of disciples. There's those that want to go on the narrow way, and then those those that don't want to go on the narrow way. Then he talked about two trees in, in, in Matthew 7, 16 through 20. And uh, he talked about one that had good fruit and then one that had evil fruit. And what he was talking about here was two kinds of disciples. I want you to see what I'm, where I'm going tonight. And then, then he talked about in the 24th verse, what I read to you this evening, two houses. Two houses. Once One that is built upon a foundation that will stand. And one that is built on a foundation that collapses. Two kinds of disciples. So here's what I'm here to tell you tonight. We are, we are living in one vein or the other. We're either that broad way and that evil fruit and that, that no foundation, or we're on the other side of the fence. We're walking in the narrow way, and, and we're, we're producing the good fruit, and we're building upon the right things. Amen. So this is what Jesus taught us about life. And this is why I started out saying every one of us are building a house. You may not understand it. You may not even realize it. But a house is being built in every life in this building today. If you read Matthew chapter 12, you'll find out that a person could be talking about their own life when we're say we're building a house or, or their own house in their own life. In First Timothy, it talks of a person's family. We know the house can be a family. We know that also that First Peter tells us that this could be the house of God. But whether a person is building a, a life, a character, a family, a society, a church, the Bible principles still hold true, and we have to build right, and we have to build carefully. Amen. It matters what goes on in your life. It matters what you watch. It matters what you listen to. It matters who you hang out with. It matters what kind of company you keep. It matters where you go. You see, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that, that injects things into our life. And, and I know this is old hat, but, but whether you're building a, a life or you're building your character or you're trying to direct your family the right way or we'll be, we're building a society, I'll tell you what's wrong with the world is they don't take anything serious anymore. Uh, I, I'm, I'm astounded it's what's happening. I, I'm I never thought I would see the day that I'm living in where the world is introducing the things that we're, we're, we're bombarded with on a daily basis. And, you know, they're just trying to say everything is okay and this is the way it's going to be. But, ladies and gentlemen, could I tell you on a Wednesday night, you're building a house and somewhere it's going to be tested. Amen. So here's what 
I'm going to read from the message again. It's got some stuff in there I want you to hear tonight. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Using the gift of God, excuse me, using the gift God gave me as a good architect, he said, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. And let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection. And if you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous, and you won't get by with a thing. Now, that's the Message Bible. I didn't say that. That's what the Message Bible said. That's their interpretation of the Scripture. But if you go read that in the King James Version, I'm telling you, it pretty much describes what Paul was talking about. So every person, every person is building. I want you to say this with me. I am building my life. You're building. Every day, you're building. You started that, you will finish that. Every person is either a wise builder or a foolish builder. There's no in between. Proverbs said it this way in the 24th chapter and the third verse, though wisdom is in a house building, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There are three words that we need to look at in that scripture. Three key words that come out really all through the book of Proverbs. One of them is knowledge. And knowledge is simply this. It's the observation of the facts. It's knowing the facts. It's the observation thereof. Understanding is another word. The matter of fact, the wise man said in one place, in all of thy getting, get understanding. Because here's what understanding is. It's the explanation of the facts. So you can observe the facts with knowledge. You can explain the facts with understanding. But here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is the principal thing. I'm, I'm quoting Scripture. Riz, wisdom is the principal thing. And the Bible teaches us that wisdom is the application of the facts. So if you get knowledge, you observe the facts. If you get understanding, you can explain the facts. But if you get wisdom, you are applying the facts. And the biblical concept, listen to me right now, of hearing is the same as obedience. Now, you didn't catch that. The biblical concept of hearing is the same as obedience. Here's how I know this. In other words, if you, if you don't do what is said, you really didn't hear it. How many times you ever turned to your kid and said, did you hear me? Because you told them something and they just went the other direction. You better hear me. You know what that means? You better obey me. They don't really question whether their ears are good or not. It really saying, you better obey me. Now, if you're a parent, you understand that. There are many similarities between the two builders in, in the parable. Because here, see, in fact, the only real difference in those two builders 
that Jesus talked about, that wise man and foolish man, the only real difference is not the material, it's not the, 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 the carpenters, it's the foundation. Because Jesus calls that obedience. Let me tell you something. We can't just, it's okay to come to church and, and you know, we all have preferences. Look, I'm, I've been around long enough to know that, that I'm not everybody's favorite preacher and, and uh, I don't have the same favorite preacher you have and you don't have the same favorite preacher I have and, and we all like different styles and, you know, I'm, I'm just, I got enough sense to know that. But here's what I do know. If the Word of God comes over the pulpit and, it's, and it hits us, we better not just hear it. It doesn't matter who's preaching from the Word. If they're preaching from the Word, we better not be just hearers. We better be doers of the Word of God. Because doers mean that we're obedient to the Word of God. And if you want to build a life, you got to be obedient to the Word of God. Do you think a preacher is a, a real preacher, a, a, a man of God that really is hungry for revival and loves you? You think he's preaching for your paycheck? You're exactly wrong. Let me tell you something. I'm not worried about that. Here's what I want. I want to get a bunch of folks out of here and take them up there because that's what God laid upon me to do is to help save people. Amen? A preacher is not a hireling. If he is, he's not worth 15 cents. If you can pay him off and he won't preach against sin, you need to ship him out. Amen? And, and, and sometimes I rub people the wrong way. I know I do. I know I do. I got enough sense to know that. But it's not to make you mad. It's to make you think. Because you see, what we're doing is we're building a life. And if we're going to build a life, we got to listen to the Word of God. And we can't just listen to the Word of the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've said it many times, Lord, let that preacher say something to me today. Let me catch something from the Word of God here today. And I mean that. Let, there's been times that I've been up here preaching, and I preach to myself, and the best preaching I ever do, Brother Tony, is when I preach to me. Because when I get out and start preaching to me and really get under conviction, I tell you, I can preach better. But I don't want to be just preaching to me. I want to be preaching to us because every one of us, we need the knowledge. We need the understanding. We need the wisdom because we need to build this life carefully. Listen to, listen to what was said in Luke 6.46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why are you calling me Lord? You don't pay any attention to me. I read it in the Message Bible a while ago. This is a King James Version. He said, why call me Lord, Lord, and you do not the things which I say? In one place, Jesus said, if you love me. How many of y'all love Jesus? You love him? Well, I got some news for you. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't. Because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Isn't that right? So he's saying, why are you, are you just a hearer? Why are you calling me Lord and you do not? The, that? So he had the same problem back then we have today. I've had people walk up and slap me on the back. Man, that was awesome preaching, Pastor. Matter of fact, I preached the way I did uh, a couple weeks ago on, on where Jesus asked Peter, do, do you love me, Simon? Do you love us thou 
me more than these, and, and I preached my lungs out, and I knew I didn't make everybody happy, and I had people come up, Pastor, thank you, thank you. Just, I mean, just whiny voices, thank you for preaching to me, and I ain't hardly seen them since. It's bad to be honest, isn't it? <laughs> but it's the truth. You know what that is? That's a hearer. That's not a doer. That's, that's not being obedient to the Word of God. James said it this way. Be ye doers. Everybody say doers. Doers and not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. If you're just hearing it and you're not doing it, well, you are, uh, you're fooling yourself. You can be religious and not have a relationship with Jesus. You can know all the Scriptures. I've known people that could quote the Scriptures better than I could, but had no relationship with the Lord. It doesn't matter how much you know. Wisdom is when you apply it. Wisdom is when you put it to work in your life. So if the Bible said, pray for those who despitefully use you, guess what we have to do? We have to pray. If the Bible said, love those that hate you, guess what you have to do? Oh, boy, this is hard stuff, isn't it? We have to love them. Amen? If it says, if it says do good for them, guess what we have to we do good for those that do evil to you? You got to do good for them. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the greatest example. Here I'll go preaching to me again. But I will tell you this. Every person's building a house. Everybody's either going to be a wise builder or a foolish builder. And let me tell you something. The foundation of a person's life is obedience to the Word of God. If you obey God, you are building right. If you don't obey God, you are tricking and fooling yourself. You're like a man. The Bible said in the book of James, I'll read it again in a few minutes at the end of this sermon, but the Bible said if you look in the mirror, it's like a man a man that's a hearer, not a doer. He, he looks in the mirror and sees himself and then turns away and forgets what he looked at. Amen. So the foundation of a man's life in his work, in his building, his house, and he's getting ready for the rapture is obedience to the Word of God. And disobedience in one's life is like a foolish builder that puts no foundation in his life. Let me tell you, this is the foundation. This is where we have to build. I can't make the rules. I don't even want to make the rules. The rules are in here. The code is in here. I, I, I'm, I'm not a builder, but here's what I do know. I never will forget. I never will forget. When I was, we was putting a shop up, my, my, I built a little shop several years ago now, and uh, Jeff and I, we, we put up the, the trusses and the metal. I said, Jeff, you know, I think I can, I can wire this thing. So I know just enough to be dangerous about electricity. And... Uh, I never will forget. I, I, I mean, I thought I was doing it good, and one day I was, I was, <laughs> I was just a working, and I heard somebody behind me. And it was Jimmy Hart, and I knew I was in trouble because <laughs> Jimmy Hart is a man of the book. Let me tell you, they were scared of him when he was a when he was the uh, city inspector for West Monroe. They hated to see Jimmy Hart coming. 
And I turned around and said, how you doing, Jim? He said, you know that that ain't right. I said, yes, sir, I do, but uh, it's going to have to work here. And of course, he didn't, he didn't expect me. He just gave me a few pointers and moved on. But that's the last man I wanted to see on that job with Jimmy Hart. And I think that's probably the only time he came up on me like that back there doing that shop. You see, here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you're going to do it, do it right. And do it by the code. And don't play around. And don't try to get by and skimp by. If you try to skimp by, you're going to wind up lost. He that lives for God hard makes it easy. But he that lives for God easy makes it hard. Love you, Jamie. I'm good to see you. Y'all don't turn around. That's my buddy from Sandy Lake. Erling prayed him through the Holy Ghost. And every once in a while he comes by to see me, and I'm glad he's here. He built my house. Love you, Jamie. There's another thing about the foundation. There's, there's three major parts of a house, okay? Listen to me right now. Three major parts of a house. First one is proper foundation. Here's what Psalms said. Psalms 11 and 3 said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed. Here's what else Ephesians, Paul said, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The foundation of the apostles and prophets. So here's what it means. We have to go back and find out what the apostles and the prophets taught right here. That's the foundation. You, you agree to that? We have to pattern the church after the book of Acts church because that is the work of the apostles and prophets. Am I right? So this is what Paul was saying. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is most important. Let me tell you, without that cornerstone, you're in trouble for the rest of the act. Jesus is the stabilizing force. He's that which you can build everything else around. He's that which is secure. He's that which makes the difference in our life. And so when we start building our house and building our life, we need to build it upon good doctrine and good character and good principles, upon truth and upon the power of Jesus Christ. Paul said this to the Hebrews in, in chapter 6, Message Bible again. So come on, he said, let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instruction, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us. We'll stay true to all of that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Would you put that up in the King James Version? Because I want to see, I want to show you what Paul was saying, telling the church in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. In other words, you get off of milk. You got to get off the kid stuff. You got to get out of kid life and come to big church. 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. We've already done that. He said, you got to get off this, this, I was salvation by self-helps, what the message Bible said, of the doctrines of baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, one more scripture, and this will we do if God permit. In other words, let's move on. Let's keep building. You can't stop. You got to have the foundation. You got to have it sure because let me tell you what the foundation of every man's house that is being built tonight. Here's the foundation. You ready? It's called salvation. It's called salvation. Your foundation in your life is your salvation. Salvation must come to us all. And that is not the end. Somebody said, oh, I got saved. Hallelujah. No, you didn't. You got it what it takes to be saved. Because we're not saved till we hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We're not saved till it's over with. Can you say Amen. How many of you understand we ain't got it made yet? We're still fighting the fight. We're still holding on. We're still walking the narrow way. If you're going to be saved, you got to stay with it. But let me just tell you this. A good foundation is the way to start because your foundation is your salvation, and that's what it's all about. Then, Then not only that, you know this, and I'll hurry. Proper structure. Proper structure. There's nothing worse to me than somebody building something that is made out of improper structure. I've seen buildings that people gloated over from the outside, but you get on the inside and it eh, just wasn't there. You know what I'm talking about. See, if you look at the Scriptures God never wanted anything built without proper structure. I take you back all the way to Noah's day, and God gave Noah instructions how to build the ark, told him it had to be built according to divine pattern. I preached this not long ago. Divine pattern in order to withstand the flood. If Noah would not have built according to God's instruction, that boat would have sank. Does anybody believe that? Only the people that were in that boat were saved with a flood that destroyed the earth. Everything in, on the earth died except eight folks. And guess where they were? They were in the structure that God put together. See, in Genesis 6, 15, let me just read it. The Bible said, this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. Talking about the ark. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of, of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a, cub- and in a cubic shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. In other words, I want you to build a three-story ark. I want a door in the side. I want a window in the top. And if you go study it, he said, I want it built out of gopher wood. I want it pitched within and without. He gave him exact, exact measurements of what to build it. Let me, I don't know how you believe. This is what I believe. If he said, I want that ark to be 300 cubics, if he had built it 200, it wouldn't have floated. It wouldn't have made it. God said, this is the way I want it done. And when you start building a house and you start living for God and you start getting ready for the rapture of the church, you better have proper structure in your life. 
Oh, you want to go a little further? Let me take you to the tabernacle of the wilderness, Moses' tabernacle, because God gave Moses the pattern for that house. The framework that held it together in the, in the desert storms and in the wilderness for 40 years wasn't an accident. God put it together. I can read to you in, Ma- in Exodus, excuse me, uh, chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee. After the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is there's, there's got to be a foundation, but then you got to put proper structure there. God's got a divine plan for your life. God's got a place for you. Jeremiah said, he said, I, I know the plans that I have for you. God's got a plan for you. You need to find God's plan and quit worrying about everybody else's plan because if you build it out of God's proper structure and you put the right things in it. Here's what God's structure is. Here's what the structure is, period. The structure is the commandments of God. The foundation of your salvation, but the structure is what's in this book and how we ought to live and the commandments of God. See, when you come to God, then you got to get the commandments of God and you got to start applying them every day, every day, every day, every day. You're building, you're building on the job, you're building in the house, you're building driving down the road, you're building in the bank, you're building in the barbershop, you're building in the beauty shop. I don't care where you go, you got to build on the structure of the commandments of God in your life. You can't lay them down on Monday and pick them up on Saturday. Hallelujah. One other thing, three major parts. You got the foundation, you got the structure, and you got a covering. Moses, Noah, illustrate that truth. You know, each of them would have been operational. The ark would have been operational without a covering, but they had it got wet. The the tabernacle wilderness would probably have been operational, but it was to cover and protect the occupants therein. So the covering of the tabernacle, if you just looked at it from the outside, it was ugly because it was made out of badger skin. But if you went inside, you saw fine linen and gold. You didn't really understand God's blessing till you got on the inside and the covering came over you. Then you, you got to have proper covering because let me tell you what the proper covering is. It's the favor of God. See, when you build the foundation and you start putting the structure up and you're living by the commandments, guess what you get? This right here. We, you know, we did this for a while around here. You know what this means, don't you? This means favor. God starts giving you favor. That's why people go from zero to 100 real quick when God's involved in their life. That's, that's why folks all of a sudden, they don't have a, uh, boy, I almost said it, but I just will say it. I've been preaching long enough I can do it. A pot to pee in and a window to throw it out of. And all of a sudden, God's blessed them. I'm sorry for hurt your feelings. You'll get used to it. I don't mean to be ugly, but you know what? People go from zero to everything when God's involved. You don't have to have an education. You need favor. You, you don't have to have a big bank account. You just got to have favor. When you get God's favor on you, brother, something's about to happen in your life. Amen? 
And when you get favor is when you start building on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, and then you start keeping the commandments of God. And when you're walking every day that way, God looks down and said, oh, yes, sir. I, I, I see what they're building, and he puts favor there, and you are covered by the favor of God. I'm hurrying. There are three major tests that will come to your house. First of all, there's the test of the floods. Floods are coming. If you hadn't been in one, you're, they're coming. They're coming. I, I'm not a calamity howler, but don't think you'll escape the flood because it's coming. Isaiah 59, 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. That's why I'm telling you it's coming. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Hey, let me do something. I, 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 this hit me years ago, and I've talked about it many times. See that comma after flood? If I could just take that comma and move it to where when the enemy shall, shall come in, comma, when the enemy shall come in. I'm not trying to change the Word of God, but what if we could just say when the enemy shall come in, he's coming, comma. How about, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard. Because when the enemy brings a flood, God's going to bring a flood. And God's going to bring a flood of grace and mercy. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God is going to raise up a standard against good preaching, whether you like it or not. Amen. So the flood's coming. Revelation 12, 15, and the serpent cast out of his out of his mouth, water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. You see, in, 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 in our society, in our day, the enemy sends floods of all kinds against the foundation of the people of God. That's what's happening in our world right now. The church is being attacked and, and Christians are being attacked. He knows that if he can get people to embrace something other than biblical principle and biblical salvation. It doesn't matter what else they build because it's ultimately going to fall. If you can get just enough people to, to deny the truth of the book of Acts and, you know, to, to base their salvation and their foundation on other things, let me tell you, self-help books won't save you. Psychologists and pop cultures and theories will not save you. What's going to save you is the Word of God. And the things that are in this book are right. So when the flood comes, you see the flood represents an attack from Satan. I read it to you. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the enemy is going to come after you just like the flood that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7. He was talking about literal floods, no doubt. But that flood can be the enemy. The spirits of this world are coming after you. I tell you one thing, it takes a, a strong person to stand up in this society where they don't want you to call now that you can't even say him or her. They don't even want you using pronouns that identify. I read today of a little lady in California. I read it just today on the news where a little lady in California quit her or she 
they, they laid her off. They fired her from her job because she refused to lie to parents about kids that they wanted a different identity. And they, they, they wanted to be called a different name. Let me tell you, I'm Danny. Don't call me Danielle. What a mess we're in when they're allowing kids to decide if they want to be a boy or girl. Are we crazy or what? The world has gone nuts. I, the word transgender didn't even exist when I was a kid. Last time I read the book, he made a he and a she. And that's the only thing God made. And if you're watching by internet, I'm telling you, if you believe that garbage the world is putting out, the enemy's coming after you like a flood, and you need a power of the Holy Ghost in your life. See, rains test covering. Well, let me go back a little bit. Floods test foundations. Winds test structure. And, you know, Paul talked to the, to the Ephesians, and he said this. He said, and this is one translation. He said, we will no longer be little children tossed and carried about by all kinds of teachings that change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. And what he really said in the King James Version is we won't be moved with every wind of doctrine. We can't be, we're not, our structure is going to be what the Word of God said. We're not going to be blown about. If you're blown about by every wind of doctrine, if somebody can come by here and convince you, you are not rooted and grounded in the Word of God and your foundation is unsure. Amen. There's only one way to, to be saved. There's only one. I'd love to tell you that there's ten, but there's only one. And that's Jesus' way. You can't get in without him. And Jesus said, except a man. I didn't say it. He said it. John 3, 5. Except a man be born of water and spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Amen. So as much as we'd like for folks to be saved otherwise, judgment day will tell. See, in life, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of things that come our way in the way of doctrine, and, and we hear uh, there's all kind of voices and, and people saying stuff that sounds good. And uh, <laughs> Salvation, is, it's, it's not an issue with me. I've read the book, and I know where I'm at. And so when the winds come, you're not moving me off the doctrine. You're not moving me. I'm going to preach what the Bible teaches, and I'm not going beyond that, and I don't want to fall short of that. Amen? I believe what the Word of God says. Does anybody here believe this Bible? Amen. There's a lot of good folks that's going to be just like King Agrippa. They're going to be almost saved but lost. Almost saved but lost. So... Wind tests structure, and I hurry to close. Rains test covering. Floods test foundation. Will it move? Wind tests what you're built out of. 
and then rains test covering. Isaiah 4 and 6, there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from the storm and from rain. See, there's a lot of life circumstances that seem to temporarily block God's favor. But when you when you've got it right and you've built the structure right and you've built the, the roof right and you've got the foundations right, you can't block God's favor. It doesn't matter what the world says. However, however they say it, trials, temptations, trouble, situations can't stop the favor of God. That's why you could push some people down. They'll pop up just like a jack-in-the-box because they're favored of God. You can't stop God's favor. You can't stop the rain of the Spirit of God. And when it rains from the, the outside, God will send the protection and the covering over you. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is going to stand up for you because you have built the right way in your spiritual house. You know what rain is? Rain's life trials. Anybody have any trials? Anybody ever have any trials? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Trials. They're not from God, by the way. He don't, he, don't, he don't tempt man. The Bible said he doesn't tempt man. But I'll tell you one thing. When the trials come, the covering will cover you. So whether you're building a life, a character, a family, a church, doesn't matter. It's just a matter of time. So you're going to face the storms and the rains and the winds. So the difference is this. How obedient are you to the Word of God? What are you building on? What are you building with? What are you covering with? Because if you get in this book, you will find out that all of the things that I've preached tonight are coming. You're either going through a storm. I like to say it this way. You've either been through a storm. You're either going through a storm or you're about to go through a storm because life's full of them, and it'll trip you up, and it'll cause you to fail, and it'll cause you to lose out with God if you don't have sure places in your life. You've got to have a foundation. You've got to have walls that are strong. You've got to have a covering over you with the favor of God, and you've got to walk every day in the grace of God. The foolish man's house went up the quickest, but it didn't last the longest. The, 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 the man that was wise took a little bit longer and took a little more pains putting down the foundation and getting everything right. But let me tell you something. The wind, the same wind blew on his house that blew on the foolish man. The same flood came against his house that came against the foolish man. The same things happened. The same rain came on that wise man's house that came to that foolish man's house. But while one house fell, fell the other one stood because it was right and it was good. That's where we're at tonight. I'm going to tell you, America, listen to this pastor right now. America is not going to get any better. Honey, it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And we're going to be saying what they said in the book of Revelation. Even so, come Lord Jesus. This is almost over with. Shall we stand all over this house? Obedience is the foundation of a Christian life. Obedience is the foundation of a Christian life. Remember, here's what James said. I'll read it in the New Living Testament. Remember, James 1.22, if you want to put it up. And remember, 
It is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you are only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Build your life on things that are, are, are worth it and things that matter. I watch so many people, they think life's just, you know, well, I got to have this and I got to have that and I've got to get here and I got, look, we're all that way to an extent. I, I mean, every one of us want good things in life and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm, I'm not preaching against you wanting good things. Everybody wants a good job. Everybody wants money. Everybody wants a good house. Everybody wants a good car. Everybody wants to eat well. Maybe that's just me. But that, to me, there's nothing better than, than going to Doe's and then throwing one of those big old steaks out there. My Lord, I could eat one right now. Nothing better. I like to drive a good truck, and I do. I like to live in a good home, and I do. I like, look, there's, now I'm not eat up like some folks. There's some folks eat up with shoes. There's some folks eat up with suits. There's some folks eat up with clothes. There's some folks eat up with hobbies. And, and all, there's nothing wrong with any of it, okay? I don't care what you wear and, and what you, you know, if your shoes cost 25 cents or 2500 I don't care. But here's what I do care. When it's all said and done, let nothing take the place of building ourselves right for God because he's not concerned with what you have in this world. Have we not learned what the Scripture said, that life does not, it's not, it does not consist of the abundance of things. It's not what we've got. It's what we believe and what we live by that matters because you can be rich and be lost and you can be poor and be saved. What matters is that we do what's in this book. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. Thank you for what you've spoken to us here tonight. And I want to take that, God, and I want to apply it to my life. I don't want to just be a hearer. I want to be a doer. I want to build upon the things that are solid. I want to give myself totally to you, and I'm asking you to help this church tonight. Don't let us just come to Wednesday night and go home and say we've been, and that's all that matters. Let something plug into our spirit tonight, into our soul tonight. Let it get down to where we live this evening, Lord. Convict us during the day and during the night. Cause us to pray and put us on our face, and let us find what you have for us daily. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen.